Hey everyone, welcome to episode 68 of Something Worth Thinking About. In today's podcast, we want to think about how we look at our world and specifically how we measure the value and the meaning of our lives. In spite of what we say about how we look at the world and how we measure our lives, perhaps the more honest question is to ask what makes us feel good about our lives and what makes us feel badly. In other words, what makes us feel like our life matters versus what brings us down. All of these are incredibly important questions worth probing, but we want to do this probing in the light of our faith, hope, and convictions that Jesus is Lord. In other words, in the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And along the way, we will look at both Isaiah 53 and 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 to guide us in our thoughts and hopefully to really encourage us about how we ought to measure the worth and value not only of our own lives, but the life of everyone all around us. Once in a while, we really need to take a step back from everything and make sure we're looking at the world, looking at our lives, and looking at everyone else in a way that is full of hope and truth, in a way that's informed by what we believe based on our deep conviction that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, who came into this world to redeem us to make everything new and to bring us into a new life, the life that is his life and the life that is full of the fellowship that we now have with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our world often attempts to shape us to look at people and assign a sense of value and worth to them on the basis of their status, their income, their education, their talents and abilities, their attractiveness and beauty, their vocation, their accomplishments, their nationality, their ethnicity, their religion, or their people group, and we could go on and on. And there are a lot of problems with this approach to how we see the world in our place in it. And to a certain extent, we all know that this approach is thoroughly flawed. It is messed up from beginning to end. It gives privilege and priority to wealth and power and whatever is the prevailing image of an idealized beauty while it simultaneously devalues absolutely everything else. And even though we know this is not the way we ought to look at the world, we can find ourselves looking in the mirror and looking at our lives and assigning a sense of self-worth to our lives on the basis of these very things that we know, we know are false. And again, thoroughly flawed. If we are not wealthy or wildly successful or popular, if we are not physically lovely and beautiful according to the standards of our particular cultural context, if our lives are small and quiet, we can convince ourselves that we must be 
insignificant nobodies. Our lives have little worth or value. Christ Jesus turned all this kind of messed up thinking upside down and said that in the kingdom of God, the greatest is the least. The first will be last and the last will be first. The path to greatness in the kingdom of God is to humble yourself and become the servant of all. And what is more, Jesus showed us that he meant, he absolutely meant what he said by living the kind of life that he lived while he was among us in this world. Think about it. Just pause and think about this. Jesus was not wealthy by any standard in any age. At least for the last three years of his life, we know that Jesus chose to be a homeless person. He wandered about from town to town, preaching and teaching and healing. He loved on people and welcomed them at the table, but it was always their table because Jesus didn't have a table. Only I suspect that Jesus would have said, all of these tables are my tables. If I'm invited to sit at this table, it is, it's my table. Jesus, think about this, didn't have a family, as in he never got married. He never had any children. Yet Jesus would tell anyone who asked him, here's my family. If it is anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven. And if I'm reading and hearing the story of Jesus correctly, and I like to think that I am, at the very heart of the story is the way that Jesus valued people who were devalued by their culture. Jesus welcomed the opportunity to bless and pray over little children. When even his own disciples wanted to turn the parents and children away, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Jesus welcomed the, oppor the opportunity to talk to a Samaritan woman. And then all of the Samaritan people from the village where she lived. Jews devalued and avoided Samaritans. They would travel around. They would go miles out of their way to avoid going through the towns and villages of Samaria. Yet Jesus made a Samaritan, the hero of his now famous parable, we know as the parable of the Good Samaritan. Tax collectors, lepers, the crippled and blind, the poor, prostitutes, demon-possessed people, and you name any other people group who were devalued or marginalized in his culture, Jesus readily welcomed, loved, and served. He did not do this to profit from them, when Jesus died, he didn't have a funeral and he didn't have a grave. His body was placed in somebody else's grave. And so from the standpoint of the world, it would be really easy for us to conclude that Jesus was a nobody, that his life was insignificant, inconsequential. It didn't matter because it didn't measure up. Yet we believe the words of Isaiah 53 are telling us about Jesus, about the Messiah. Listen to what it says, beginning in verse 2. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. 
He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. If Jesus had looked at the world and his life on the basis of the things that his world said matters, and on the basis of the things that matter to our world today, Jesus would have been convinced that he was a nobody. He was a failure. His life didn't matter. His life was a colossal failure. The people he thought he was there to save rejected him. They didn't believe he was anyone of significance. They said he was a fake, a pretender, and a deceiver. He came to give them life, yet they killed him on a cross. We need to affirm a simple truth here in this moment. The only reason, the one and only reason that we know the name of Jesus today is because of his resurrection. Jesus was declared to be the Son of God Most High by his resurrection from the dead. If Jesus had not been raised, we would not know his name or his worth. Jesus knew who he was. Nobody else really did. Not even his own disciples, even after Jesus told them and he constantly showed them who he was. You will recall, for example, that after Jesus calmed the storm, even his inner core of disciples stared at each other wide-eyed and shocked and asked themselves, who is this? They knew and believed that Jesus was someone special, but they did not really know who he was. This is why they all disappeared on the night that he was, was betrayed and arrested. It was not until his resurrection that they came to fully know and understand who Jesus really is. Jesus knew all along. Jesus knew what no one else knew, and Jesus lived as one who both knew who he was and how to see the world and everyone living in it as they really are. People of every age, tribe, language, ethnicity, and people group mattered to Jesus because they matter to God. They are all, absolutely every one of them, sons and daughters of God, the rich and the poor, the highly educated and gifted people, and all of the rest of us. We are all made in the image of God. We are precious. We are worthy, and we are welcomed by Jesus, who deeply loves each and every one of us. It does not matter how many mistakes we have made in our lives. It does not matter how many golden opportunities to do something good with our lives that we have ignored. It does not matter what is the shape of our bodies. It does not matter how popular we are or how many friends we have. We are beautiful and wonderful to the Lord our God, to our Father who is over all and who sees the world and everyone in it as it really is. We believe in Jesus. We believe that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we believe Jesus. We believe he is the way, the truth, and the life. We believe that Jesus knows 
what he is talking about. We can trust him to be right. After all, he is the one through whom all things were created. As one who is both eternal God and has also walked among us in the flesh, one who knows what it is to be human, we believe Jesus sees things as they really are. So instead of looking at ourselves and everyone else in the world according to the standards of our, of our age, we must look at our world, our lives, and everyone else in accordance with the truth revealed to us in the gospel and in the very person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Yet we now know that he is the very Son of God. Having humbled himself to endure the shame and scorn of the cross, God has now given to Jesus the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So let's remind ourselves of what we believe, what the gospel declares to us. Christ is in you. You are in Christ. You belong to the fellowship of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You belong to the family of God. You are an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. You are a child of God. Again, you are beautiful and wonderful and valuable and precious to God the one and only one who really and truly sees you and knows you as you really are. We must stop listening to the world and the value that it assigns to us based on its bogus, flawed, empty, and temporary standards that change constantly. The world will either give us way too much credit or worth, or the world will deprive us of our dignity and worth. Based on his worldly point of view, the people living around us will devalue us and treat us as if we do not really matter. And sometimes we say we're treated as if we're just a number. And if we're not careful, we will believe the world is right. We will either overestimate or underestimate our worth on the basis of the world's bogus standards. And we will do the same thing to everyone else we know. We will give them too much value and worth, to, and we will do that especially to the successful and the physically beautiful or the talented. And then we will in turn devalue the ordinary, the poor, and anyone else who is marginalized by our society. So let's hear the word of God in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, and take this to heart. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Satan wants to blind our eyes from the truth. Satan does not want us to see the world the way it really is, the way God sees it. If you believe in Jesus, and if you believe Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said what he said about everything he said, then stop being deceived 
and misled by Satan and the world that he now controls. Allow God to open your eyes so that you may see the beauty and wonder and worth that God sees in you and in everyone else in our world. Hear the word of God one more time. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 from the New Revised Standard Version. Here it is. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. Thank you.